Hey everyone, it's Brianna. And I'm Francisco. And you're listening to The, the Page Turner. Hi everyone, welcome back to The Page Turner. I'm Brianna, as always. And today, special guest is... Francisco. It's me. (laughs) Now, if you are a loyal listener, um, last episode we talked about one of our coworkers binged read the J.D. Robb, a.k.a. Noah Roberts series that our boss Kill loves. So, yeah. And you loved it, right? Yeah. I love that it was first published in 1995. Which is insane. So I'm correcting the last podcast. (laughs) And it's set in the future, and they don't have good coffee. And then the other thing was that I'm doing all audiobooks. And I just stop where there's a new narrator that starts oh, okay. now. And it will finish the entire series. So, so what book is that? Because there's 60-something. I'm on, like, book six. Wow. They're just getting married, the detective. Spoiler alert. Yep, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. These books have been out, like you said, since 1995? Yep, my yeah, graduation. But they're, like, your graduation? I High was, school graduation. High school graduation? I was three. I know. know. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But they're clearly timeless because, I mean, 60-something, you're doing something right. And it's Noah Roberts. So everyone knows her, even if you don't read her. So very special guest. I'm really excited to talk about um, what we're talking about today. One, it's a graphic novel. And I don't believe we've talked about a graphic novel on the podcast before. I've tried to get a graphic novel expert on the podcast, but uh, it's not his thing, and that's totally okay. So we just went went ahead with it. But let's talk about the library. March is here. Now, when I think of March, I think of my birthday, of course, but that is not the library's (laughs) focus. But we have really exciting stuff coming up. You know, we have crafts and other activities, story times, but... For March, I really want to highlight the virtual journalist visits that we're having. So we are having journalists visit from the Pulitzer Center. Um, The Pulitzer Center raises awareness of underreported global issues through direct support for quality journalism across all media platforms and a unique program of education and public outreach. So the the journalist, Melissa Little, she, during 2020, there was a lot going on during 2020, and she documented the account of the fall of the Confederate monuments across the U.S., and she just was really inspired when she saw it happening, and obviously it's a historical moment, and so she will be presenting her documentation of that account with a Q&A at the end. And so this is, it's just amazing. The Pulitzer Center does all these talks for educational purposes, for free. So we're really excited. This is the one that I will be helping host. And our Children's Library and Grace will also be hosting ones for younger kids. On a different topic, though, who's just going to be about the immigrants' experience in the U.S. So stay tuned for that. Very, very excited. That's so timely with this. Yes, it tied in so perfectly Mm. with the books that we read to talk about today. But before we jump into that, what have you been reading? I finished just recently A Brief History of the World, which was recommended by a patron. Loved it, wrote the review on Goodreads. And then there's a follow-up, like a further reading Uh called Star Maker, 
published in 1937. Mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And is that fiction or nonfiction? So the first one's nonfiction. And the second one is for those novel lovers mm -hmm. that don't do well with nonfiction. This is a nice way of telling kind of the same story. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I love reading science things from that are older, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, because I just, I can't help but be like, wow, the vision that these people's that these people had, huge. Like, to come up with stuff that, or concepts that nowadays we think are normal, or things that we still are working on. So, I love those brief history books, because it really gives you, doesn't overwhelm you if you're not a sciencey person. Yeah, yeah, this one's written to, like, basic, any American can read it. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is that there's, like, probably 40 pages of notes. Whoa. And, like, I wrote in the review, I think you... If you read the book, you're doing your homework so that the very last chapter really has this payout. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Like, really? Oh, that's nice. That's even better when it's not just like facts, facts, facts. And then, okay, it's over. It's leading you something. Yeah. And that's so interesting. And you said a patron recommended that? Yeah. One of our regulars. She works at a bookstore. Oh, okay. So she's got an inside. Because... Mm -hmm. Even though I buy fiction, I do pay attention to the nonfiction new releases, and I hadn't heard of that book. So I was, like, really stoked. I was like, what? But, yeah, oh, that's awesome. I am reading, like, 15 things at once right now. <laughs> like, Whoa. I just keep starting things, but I'm in the middle of this historical fiction series I'm obsessed with, with but I'm on the last book. So I'm like, ugh. But it's a book I've been eyeing for years. Ever since I started working here, and I finally picked it up, and I binge read one through five. And it's, there's a, so it takes place during Henry VIII's reign. You know, Henry VIII that, like, had six wives. And you follow a hunchback lawyer. And he, so he's a lawyer, so he kind of comes from money. And he ends up getting tangled in these murders to solve them. Like, speaking of if, if you're not, like, a big history buff, like, I'll read stuff and then forget but the way it weaves in what's going on with Henry VIII, the, the religion and everything, like, I feel like I'm learning so much. And you don't feel dumb or silly if we're not really understanding the sides, because the way it's weaved into the murders or the people he meets is just, it's insane. That's uh, the craft. Yeah. That's a good writer. And he just, the author actually for this series just won, like, a mystery award or something for his work on this series which apparently book one was his debut, and it's phenomenal. So it's Dissolution by C.J. Sampson. And as always, every book, movie, TV show we talk about, I will put in the blog post for this episode, so you don't have to look it up yourself. Um, recently, in terms of feedback, we've been getting a lot of people wanting mystery and romance. That They've been asking us for that. Mystery romance. Yeah, I mean, we did just have February. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our blind day with the book, by the way, is over. But we'll bring that back next year. It was a huge success. I was so happy. Over like 60 people participated in blind date with the book. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, it was lovely to see. Just people trusting. Yeah. It made me so happy. And some people were like, oh, I've heard about this one. Or, you know, oh, it was meant to be that I unwrapped this book. So it's really great. But yeah, but it seems like everyone's been asking for mystery and romance. And in my head, those don't go together. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. They don't go together in my head either. 
Like, I feel like that's too much going on. Like, let's focus on, like, who killed someone. Why do you need to be, like, finding love at the same time? (laughs) I guess Nora Roberts is... But, yeah. People love that. Yeah. Yeah, but the cops. So that makes it, I think, easier to get the best of both worlds. It's in their day-to-day to to be, like, solving motives while they're falling in love. (laughs) Yeah, and I think in the 90s, there was this, like, cop shows were on TV... Um, NYPD Blue. Oh, yeah. All these things were popular. So people gravitated to the cops and their inside stores. That makes sense. Like, I've watched those 24-hour Law & Order SVU. Law & Order. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just a classic. Yeah. And then they had, like, Ice Cube. It was like a car. I was like, what? Okay. Just so good. So let's jump the end. So we read the March Trilogy, graphic novel trilogy, by late congressman John Lewis. And the (laughs) co-writer is his aide. And so I think it's um, Andrew. Wow. Andrew Aiden. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nate, he's the illustrator. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's nice. I like that the names are all equally distributed on the front because I know there's just a lot of, you know, people don't always get the acknowledgement on, on um, COVID and stuff or collaboration stuff. I, <laughs> this was difficult for me to read. I am African-American and it's really hard for me to be, to read fiction or nonfiction about black history. It's it's just, it's very just upsetting. And this year, I did have a goal to read three nonfiction books on black history because I, I do want to be in the know. I do want to participate in the collective knowledge, remembrance, and moving forward. But it, it also is very painful to do so. Um, and I think that might surprise people. I think some people might think, well, why? Like, this... That happened a while ago. Or... It's supposed to be empowering. Like, it's supposed to give you strength. But to me, it was debilitating. I, yes. I postponed it, postponed yeah. it. Just <laughs> yeah. did not want to read it. Yeah. I read half of book one and stopped. Yeah. And I just finished it, uh, half of one, two, and three last night in yeah. one shot. I powered through book one because I was just like, you know what? You can't keep opening and closing it. Like, you just... just Power through. And the fascinating thing is I didn't realize until after we picked this that it's a children's graphic novel. But I had no idea. I mean, if you definitely are an adult and you read it, you know that, oh, they're leaving out some brutal stuff. But there's brutal stuff in there. Like... Yeah, for the beginning. Yeah. And actually, in some review I read from Kirkus said you've seen... Oh, okay, teen, so teen. upper, like, you know, seventh grade and up. Yeah, so we here at the library, we have book one in both the children's section. We have the whole series in the children's section, and we have at least book one in the regular teen and adult graphic novel section. So it follows John Lewis from when he was a teen and how he got involved in the civil rights movement and what he had to do and sacrifice and think about. Like, he gets inspired in a local, uh, with a local group, and they're like, hey, we're doing this. And this is when he's, like, 15. They're like, we're doing this protest, you know, that this, this local college should be desegregated. Do you want to come with us? And at that time, he went home, he talked to his family, 
And they were like, John, like, we're going to be in danger. You, Not just you, but your family, your siblings. I really, I want to support you, but I really don't. What about our neighbors? Everyone that knows us will be in danger. Yeah. And legitimate danger. It's scary because... You know, full disclosure to I'm Latino, grew up in Arizona. They had laws in the books, they still do, that are very similar to Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. But if you're Latino, you speak like Latino. And it brought back a lot of memories. I was a librarian in Phoenix, and I remember I had an ESL class. Mm-hmm. All the moms would come. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're all Latinas. Hey, what's up? We're practicing English. And one day, nobody showed up out of a group of 30 of dedicated moms and they had blocked one of the main roads and they were doing checks just mm-hmm. immigration checks and that's how it felt just complete dehumanization people just stayed home because yeah it was hardened i grew up in that and then i saw these new generations of latinos who just never lived it mm-hmm. and dismiss it just kind of i don't know and i just feel like Uh, Yeah, and it's such a tough thing to explain. Yeah. And when you grow up, and I'm born and raised in California, and I've had my fair share of incidences here in this lovely state, and elsewhere I do like to travel, and it's hard to explain to people when you enter, let's say, an establishment, your interaction is going to be so different or maybe maybe something happens and it's so different and you're like oh what like oh I didn't notice that I didn't see that and it's like I can't explain the feeling to you the what just happened to you and yeah it's 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 scary it's unnerving and you can't help I think when you read about the civil rights era like what would you do you know like the sit-ins that they did they were spit on, yelled slurred, slurs, poured water on them, horrible things, dehumanizing things as well, because there's a shame to that feeling as well when you know you're being discriminated against for a reason you, you can't change, right? It's, it's something about your inner core, the pieces that make you, that upsets people so much. And, like, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, how are you supposed to feel? And so I admire, I don't know. I don't know if I could have done it, especially knowing my family would be at risk. And this isn't just graffiti threats. This is like firebombs thrown through windows. Shootings. Shooting. This isn't something you can just... They would lynch you. Yeah. Hang you. You would just disappear. Yeah. And... One thing here is, like, he's nonviolent. He's mm-hmm. like, no, we're not going to do this. They separate themselves from, like, what Malcolm X is doing mm-hmm. and uh, Black Power, which is in Oakland. Yeah. A, you know, so it's close by. And then I never knew the story about the counters and how they were able to desegregate them. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it on movies. I saw it on documentaries. But they, this is, like, an inside yeah. look. So yeah. that was cool. I put post-it notes of things that I Yeah, noticed. I love the way you took notes. So if you can envision, he has all three graphic novels out and little sticky notes with notes on each one. There's like six on each one. It's brilliant. I love it. He was like, I'm ready. 
I'm sad to say, though, because we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Today, in 2022, knowing that the last book was published in August 2016, and after all that has happened, I know people are going to hate me for this, but I gave it a three stars. I think that's okay. You know, I think I know some people that don't write nonfiction because they're like, how can I write someone's life? You're basically writing someone's life, right? Oh, this wasn't interesting enough. Or, oh, I didn't like your opinion. Which, that's not how writing... That's not how my writing works. Anyways. And I could agree with the three as well. There were like a few stylistic things. Mm, okay. Uh, where I feel like where the only time they talk in the present is when Obama's inauguration mm, mm-hmm. so that i feel like it should have been in color to kind of say oh it's today and everything in black and white could be like the 50s 60s because mm-hmm. they you know they go early back to his youth and they stop after the voting rights in 1965 mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things like miss fanny lou hammer who's amazing gets a couple of pages malcolm x gets two or three mentions Mm -hmm. and then there's a huge amount of time in to speeches Mm -hmm. to if if i hear one more mention of the sncc chairman his (laughs) ego is so big in this book and i get it he's one of the big six all men yeah so it's yeah you know i i i was reading it i just struggling because i'm like i shouldn't be thinking about that There is this concept, though, of, and it happens in other minority groups, too, where people can only, I, I, I think it's very interest, well, interesting, upsetting, and disheartening that, like, whenever an incident happens, um, either a, a macro or a microaggression um, against a person of color, it, it always stinks that it seems like the, the like you you feel worse than that person does being awful towards you. There is this concept that the majority can only handle so much. So you have to put handle them with kid gloves and so that might mean oh black men. Okay, black men, you know, they're men, they're fighting for equality, like, okay, we'll listen to them. But like black women, like no 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 no. Like, right. there's, there's an inherent disrespect, though, because of the women part. And it's the same thing with, like, LGBT. A lot of stories about white men are very prominent, but anything that deviates from that doesn't get as much respect or attention. So I think in the way you were discussing earlier how it feels how today, it's just, it's different, right? Like, we, you know, women aren't going to sit back and be like, we'll let only the men. Like, we're, I think more people are demanding their voices be heard as well and not just having this acceptable spokesperson. So I could see how that would be frustrating. Like, let other people speak. Or like, you know, yeah, what about their wives and all this stuff? But I think it's also we have more platforms to more safely express ourselves, whereas, you know, the only way to be heard today isn't just to stand on a podium. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this because uh, had I read it in 2016, yes. 
I would have had a different mindset. Mm -hmm. We were in the middle of Obama. We hadn't seen the horrible things that are coming. Yeah. And also, when I, my first career was a teacher. And going to that... Francisco's lived many lives. Yeah. <laughs> so we learned everything about Cesar Chavez, you know, the struggle, mm -hmm. the Latino struggle. And I was struggling. I was yeah. like, what? What's happened to me? Like, yeah. this is... Yeah. I also think... Passing these stories along is so important because I do think that it reminds us things were different. There were different rules. Because I think nowadays there's a lot of people and I I don't I don't think what I'm gonna say is enough time to expand on how I actually view on this matter, but like a lot of people say, Well, why don't you just do nonviolence again? in order to have your voices heard, which makes sense. But I think it's more complicated than that. And like this, some people could say of the younger generations, like this is not good enough. And so I think, I don't think each generation will ever be able to fully understand what the other generation is doing. Like I will never fully understand how they were able to do that. I will never... And, you know, for kids, I don't think they'll understand what we went through and they'll, and they'll have their own way of dealing with things. Yeah, and it goes to the point that the biggest prop for this trilogy is that it's the format. It's perfect. You're <laughs> able to see yeah. with the drawings mm -hmm. what it looked like in mm -hmm. 1950. The drawings are excellent. Um, Stan the faces, the yeah. spitting. The, like the, the disgust and disdain that people had for these young kids that were just wanting to go to college mm -hmm. and just wanting to better themselves. And Stanford actually just had a study about graphic novels because a lot of people, you'll hear people say, like, oh, read a real book or, you know, okay, stop reading those. Oh, those books have pictures. But the study from Stanford says that, oh, I didn't write anything specific, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it was basically saying how great it is for your brain to grasp concepts and pictures really can cement things in your mind. And I mean, it makes sense because obviously little kids can't read, but the pictures, we, we read them, these books, we flip through these books because it's doing something for their brains and cementing things in their minds. And so I agree with what you were saying, like the... I think this is such a great way to show people. And uh, there's the graphic novel Mouse. Have you read it? No, no. Oh, oh Mouse, yes. Yes. Um, and it's about... Recently banned. Yeah. Spiegelman? Spiegelman? Art Spiegelman. Um, it's a graphic novel depicting his parents' time in the Holocaust at Auschwitz. And people are like, this is very upsetting, and it is an upsetting graphic novel. But it's very important because it gives that visual component. And um, everyone's animals in, yeah. in the in the comic book. So there's that balance of showing graphic human, um, graphically what humans are going through, and like the realities of the Holocaust. And and it and it should. I think that when it comes to these things, the, the, I don't think any good comes out of not showing what, like, not being accurate. 
right? Mm -hmm. I just, it's kind of like the game telephone. If you're not repeating the exact thing to the next person, it will get watered down and watered down more and more. And And so you need to keep showing accuracy to not lose the truth. And I think someone put a review online and said, yeah, people just remember Martin Luther King, <laughs> I Have a Dream, Rosa Parks. Yeah. Maybe Emmett Till. Boom. That's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, they know from this history. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, too, you see, you're like, is this politics? Yeah. So they were things omitted. Yeah, yeah. But and, I mean, it's. It, I think it's interesting. If you look at it from a, oh, this is a teen book, you're like, okay, it's it's gives a lot, it, it'll give them something to think about, it shows truth. If you think about it from an adult perspective, you could say, like you're saying, it needs to go further. Right. So it totally just depends on the audience, probably. And were we talking about that they made March, but they were going to make another three that say oh, yes, you run? Said. Yeah. So I feel like... Which I thought was kind of brilliant. March, run. Yes. I, I did like that. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. But yeah, just... I think just... It was tough. It's, yeah. This is not was, easy to talk about. It's it's a lot. And, again, it's unexplainable when you've never experienced aggressions like that. Um, but I think these are such great ways of passing empathy for people. And, and also just even being in awe of human beings. Right. So even taking out this specific instance of human beings being amazing, like when you just think about it, though, like you get you get a life and you spend so much of it fighting, constantly being on the no rest. There's no rest. And that's amazing. Like who? Who has the energy and courage and determination to keep doing that? But people all over history have done it. So many different groups of people have done it. Every generation, people do it. And it's just amazing because I don't, I think I'd be like, I I don't know. Well, in book three, um, John Lewis says, um, and they happen to take this trip to Africa. They run into Malcolm X, -hmm. but then they're also getting inspired because Africa is going through its growing pains. And they, you know, they see black black officers, police officers. They see black uh, airplane pilots, things that you just never saw in America back then because it was just so segregated. And uh, it's just an interesting thing. You know, I I wish they had mentioned even just like the farm workers. Mm Because also happened in the in that time with Cesar Chavez, in '61 there yeah. was an uh, um, American Indian youth yeah. movement too, yeah. which is not you know I think they were pulling together because they all had talks with Kennedy, President mm-hmm. Kennedy, and so it was. I wonder if if they had teamed up at the beginning, you know, all these hypotheticals yeah. like no. what yeah. ifs and yeah. you know. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's a. I think kind of ironically one of the things too is you want to keep minority groups together but separate. So you want them out of your way but not too buddy-buddy with each other. (laughs) 
Because then that's when stuff happens. Like, they don't want to see inspiration. Like, oh, well, if they do that, though, we can do it here. Well, there was also fear that if you weren't the, the perfect person, you couldn't be that Rosa Park. Yes. Like, the idea for that Rosa Park was going to sit there with somebody else's idea. Mm-hmm. But she had a record, was a single mother, something mm-hmm. like that. So she wasn't chosen. Yeah. It had to be the perfect. Yes. And that's another thing that happens in with various minority groups to appeal to the majority is that yeah. you have to send someone forward that has no mistakes, which ironically, like, which doesn't help. That's not, no one's perfect. And I think knowing that no one's perfect brings us together better than, I actually read this book um, by Carmen Maria Machado, and she's a queer woman, and she wrote a book that was really good, had a very unique format about an abusive relationship she was in with a woman. And she opens it by stating, like, I didn't know what was happening to me because no one talks about it. Because we have enough problems going on in the community and people taking us seriously that no one wanted to talk about the fact that that can happen in queer relationships as well as straight relationships and how it's hurting them. It was hurting them. It was hurting her and younger queer people because they didn't know it could exist in their own relationship. Mm-hmm. So sending forth the perfect image of any group of people is really damaging for everyone around, people in the group and people not in the group. Because then you have that gap in knowledge, you have that gap in support, and she couldn't find anything. No studies, no nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's better to see each person and know they have flaws than to think, oh, well, they're a good one. Yeah. You know? I think a lot of the, like, let's say, you know, MLK had affairs and all yeah, things. Like, yeah, It came out later. Yes. Like, after his death, you mm-hmm. know, all these things. Just people, I don't know, I guess it was the times. Yeah. We didn't live those times, so we couldn't understand. You know, it, and I'm going to wrap it up with yeah. the last book I read oh, yeah. about the universe. Yes. In one part it says, all of humanity, Homo sapiens, what we've done to this planet, mm-hmm. will be less than a millimeter of dust. Oh, yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Yeah. There's another 100 million years coming mm-hmm. where the earth is going to tilt and it's going to bring another ice age. Yeah, it's going to kill about yeah. everything, or just almost everything. Yeah. And it's normal. The yeah. earth does that. I was just talking about that and how, you know, people spend all this time trying to be like a mortal. Like, we're going to go to another planet so we can, human beings can live forever. And in my and it's like there's a time and place for everything this is our time now you know people believe different things about how we got here and how we started but i think it's fair to say that there's a time still for everything a beginning and an end to everything so yeah so again yeah and again if you have this life that you're given you only have so much time Mm -hmm. and look at all the amazing things all these people do in that amount of time and dedicate so much of their life to and it's just amazing it's yeah, it's very, very special. But thank you so much for stopping by, Francisco. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was I love great. This podcast. <laughs> Francisco's our number one fan. It's awesome. I'll post it and I'll be like, oh, so I just listened. And um, <laughs> so next time I will be having a very special guest. Um, not that you're not a special guest, Francisco, but I will be chatting with the Los Gatton 
poet laureate, Jen Siliganian. And she is just so nice, so sweet. And poetry, April's National Poetry Month, poetry is not my thing. I don't know. Do you read poetry? No. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, when you have. Yeah, so I'm excited. We're talking about the killing. And these are vulnerable, tender, serious poems, brave poems, exploring with honesty the ambiguous moment between the rapture of youth and the grace of acceptance. So I'm really excited. I have no starting point for poems. I've tried to read them, and I just... But hearing people talk about them is always nice, if that makes sense. Because they have a passion. They see things that you can't see. So, yeah, very excited. So stay tuned for that. And again, thank you so much for being here, Francisco. Uh, (laughs) Send your comments and questions to library at losgatosca.gov. Once again, this has been The Page Turner. Page Turner.